Welcome to Brothers in Song, friends and neighbors. Joe, how are you? I'm doing well, but I got to say I'm a little disappointed because I thought we were going to be recording before a live studio audience, but my dog's a coward and she went into the other room. <laughs> yes, that's right. We we are in each other's presence uh, for the first time in a long time uh, recording the show, and uh, I will be dog sitting. <laughs> In a few days, and um, the dog is petrified of me. <laughs> so we're off to a, a banner start, but I'm yeah. sure she'll come around. To you. You're great with animals, so yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see how it goes. We'll we'll be besties before the end of the weekend. I'm, I'm sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, so we have uh, a very interesting episode. I think we're going to have a good a good conversation here. Um. Followers of the show know that today we'll be discussing the legendary Billie Holiday and one of her last recordings, Lady Sings the Blues. And um, we haven't talked too much jazz on the show. Um, Joe, what what do you know about Billie Holiday? Well, when you, when you pose this idea, I could immediately hear her voice in my head. And it's very easy to get lost in that sound. Mm. And I think doing what she did and where she came from, uh, I think that speaks volumes to her talent and her ability to transcend genres and, and styles and just be uh, an amazing artist and performer. And I think this, which you guided us here. I will say it was a group decision, but you guided us to this particular <laughs> album. Yeah, yeah. And this one I was less familiar with than some of her earlier work, but it's like a freight train, man. It just knocks yeah. you over. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and the fact that you said that you can hear her voice in your head, I mean, that's what really what Billie Holiday is is all about because it's just so distinctive mm -hmm. so unmistakable mm -hmm. you know for me uh you know my experience with her as a uh as a younger person getting into jazz when i was mm -hmm. in my early 20s yeah yeah one of the first jazz singers i got into was sarah vaughn mm -hmm. and sarah vaughn in, in a lot of ways, I guess you could say is like the polar opposite of Billie Holiday. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a great singer in, in her own right as well. Um, but Sarah Vaughn has a very like smooth and agile and like conventionally beautiful voice. Mm -hmm. So in my ignorance, you know, 20 year old mind, um, you know, I was like, oh, she's way better than Billie Holiday. Like I didn't get Billie yeah, Holiday. Yeah, yeah. Um, but later on, I, I did grow to appreciate like the idiosyncrasies of her singing. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do an episode discussing her music, because, you know, even though I have come around to her, I haven't listened to a ton of her music closely. Mm -hmm. Sure. I'm in the same boat as you. Um, like you hear it, you immediately recognize it. Um, and 
in certain ways it can it can almost blend together because it's a you know a lot of it has a similar tempo similar style similar chord progressions but then when you listen to it closely you can really hear uh the nuance of it all and just how powerful she is as a communicator when she's mm. um uh you know performing a lot of these songs it's one of those things where if you tried to describe it to somebody you would probably fall <laughs> incredibly short right uh but for the handful of people who aren't familiar with her you just have to kind of listen to it right to understand what it is and why it's so important to really uh the fabric of not only jazz but really i think she's influenced a lot of artists from a lot of different genres mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's that's pretty evident and you know you 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 mentioned earlier like considering where she came from so we'll talk a little bit about that mm -hmm. you know uh i'm about to give a brief introduction but you know we don't have the the time and the like, <laughs> and the uh expertise to like do a billy holiday biography sure uh, and frankly there's there's plenty of biopics and oh, other yeah. literature that folks can explore on their own and the accuracy of those can be debated but i think you would get sort of the general sense of what 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 we're talking about but please do give the listeners just a little bit of a brief inter introduction uh introduction i think that would be helpful sure so uh suffice it to say billy holiday had a very difficult upbringing um there was a lot of turmoil and upheaval living in many different places mm -hmm. as a child being under the care of many different people um her parents were teenagers and unmarried, which in 1915, you know, is an immediate stigma on mm -hmm. your life. Mm -hmm. um, it caused her parents to be evicted from their home because mm -hmm. they were an unmarried couple sure. with yeah. a with a child. Um, her dad also was a was a jazz musician, and he uh, he left the family when Holiday was pretty young, um, and because her mother had no money, she was mostly raised by her mother's half-sister. Uh, and her, her mom was traveling a lot, doing work, um, doing car service and trains. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so uh, she was sent to uh, a reform school. At, when those things were. When those, thing. when, when those were a thing, uh, when she was nine years old. Um, so, I mean, can you imagine this is like 1924 and yeah. you're like in court as a nine-year-old getting sent to reform school. Yeah. Uh, so she went through that. Um, she left re reform school after about a year and a half. Um, sadly, she was, she was assaulted and almost raped by a neighbor at 11. Mm -hmm. um, you know, her, her mother fortunately, um, you know, walked in when all that was happening, was able to stop what was going on, but still very traumatic um you know eventually her mom moved to harlem and uh holiday joined her after after a short period of time 
um, you know, she's a teenager at this mm -hmm. point, and that's when she began singing in nightclubs. Um, you know, her, her career was very commercially successful, but she struggled with drug addiction, drinking, relationships mm -hmm. with abusive men, and, uh, you know, financial issues, uh, like a lot of musicians mm -hmm. uh, back then and, you know, throughout the 20th century, really, not being paid properly for their Not work. being paid properly and then having people in powerful positions take advantage of that and, you know, for lack of a better phrase, swindle them out of their hard-earned mm -hmm. capital. You know, so her main income was was performing because mm -hmm. the record deals were garbage. Right. Um, you know, she had a number of arrests for possession of narcotics mm -hmm. and eventually that became a problem for her financially because you had to have something called a cabaret card to perform in bars and right, right. And nightclubs and stuff. Charges, they would revoke it, right? Exactly. Exactly. Her her biggest achievement kind of later in her career in this era that we're talking mm -hmm. about, which is the, the later 50s, um, she released, released this album along with her autobiography by the same name. And that also coincided with two sold out con concerts in Carnegie Hall mm -hmm. in 1956. And um, in 59, cirrhosis of the liver started to take its toll. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, and the, the cops were on her case and like almost until the day she died because yeah. she was in the hospital and they fucking handcuffed, <laughs> her, handcuffed her to the bed because yeah. they claimed to have found like heroin in her home. Uh, you know, on her is, deathbed, on, uh, yeah, on her deathbed at the age of 44. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 44 now, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so really just um, a life with a lot of turmoil mm -hmm. that somehow created all this beautiful music. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so she she kind of paid the paid the price to, you know, give us the gift of her artistry absolutely yeah um but um yeah so with that kind of out of the way setting the stage for anyone who doesn't know who the hell billy holiday is all two of you um <laughs> well just one one more thing that i read that i found was interesting is that when they moved to harlem she actually was looking for a job as a dancer and they said nah that's not gonna work <laughs> <laughs> and uh Fortuitously for all of us, they give her a job as a singer. Um, yeah, that's how we ended up. Which is which is which is wild to me because like in in all of the you know kind of internet reading that we do to kind of try to prepare. I mean, I didn't really find too much about like I don't know a music music uh, education or or like tutelage by anybody uh, I, like, I didn't either and i mean i'm sure there were people along the way who you know influenced her and helped her become the musician that she was but it's like yeah well yeah. and jazz is complicated so it 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 does take study and practice to learn how to how to perform in that style and you know the theory jazz theory is different than pop or classical or other styles of, mm -hmm. and um just like many things in life it's you really can only learn how to do it by doing it mm -hmm. and um 
So for whichever cabaret, I know, impresario gave her her break, uh, I, I, I would imagine she was not as polished as she was later in her career. And somehow they saw the potential and gave her a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with this particular piece of work, this particular album, what, what were some of your first impressions? Well, I have to say, um, you know, the first track, Lady Sings the Blues, the title track, you know, that's just starts it off with a bang. And I think that that's one from here that, um, that's one of two from this specific album. I think a lot of people have probably heard, even if they're mm -hmm. more familiar with things like Solitude or, or other more popular tunes. But um, that one stood out to me and you get the, you know, that great trumpet intro mm -hmm. and, and, and it's just, you are immediately struck by both the tone and the quality of what is to come on the rest of the album. Yeah. Um, Strange Fruit, I think we should probably take a couple minutes to talk about that, but that one obviously is important. Yeah. Um, and for me, the, uh, the two on the back half that really, you know, resonated with me. I mean, the whole thing is, is it's powerful, but it's also just so damn sad. They're just like, Oh my God. Man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, um, Willow Wheat for me was one that I was like, Oh boy. And, and I should just say like first impressions of this and I'm sure she had a hand in it, but there are a lot of different songwriters on this because the sophistication of the lyric writing on this is actually something I was uh, not expecting. Mm -hmm. um, and we have listened to other artists from around this time period. We did an Atkin Cole album. We did a Sam Cooke album, and we were really talking more about their vocal qualities and their performance. And, and some of the songs were good. Some kind of fell short of the mark and were maybe a little bit of a product of the time and less uh, sophisticated. I don't think there are any on this album. And Willow Weep for me, I mean, just just the sampling of, of that is, you know, Willow Weep for me, bend your branches down along the ground and cover me, listen to my plea, hear me, Willow, and weep for me. Gone are my lovely dreams, lovely summer dreams gone, and left me here to weep my tears along the stream. That's that's beautiful poetry and also completely heartbreaking. Oh yeah, and yeah. she just does it uh, so well. And uh, that that one stuck in my head. What about for you? Are there any that stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I definitely agree with a lot of those general sentiments and. There were just so many little surprises that just pop up mm -hmm. here and there, just like musically, mm -hmm. um, that really kept me interested. And and I'm into I'm into music that you know that surprises me. Mm -hmm. uh, and just the way that she ended a lot of those a lot of the songs, where like the music stops, they kind of let her. Uh, chew the scenery mm -hmm, a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and the notes that she's choosing, like within 
you know, within the chord structure of the song yeah. and everything, there are just so many times where I was just like, wait, what the hell did she just do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it, sometimes it sounds like a screw up, but then when the rest of the band comes back into the fold, yeah, you're like, it out, yeah. and fills it out, you're like, oh, wow, you're just brilliant. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you can hear those, those notes that, you know, not everybody can, can hear. Um, but as far as, uh, as far as individual songs, um, one that was similar to Willow Weep for me, who, which is definitely on my list of songs that I liked is, uh, um, Traveling Light. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a line in that song that says, I'm free as the breeze. And that's how I see her vocal performance mm -hmm. in that song as well. Um, and I think that there's like, there's a fine line between, between being loose and free with, with your voice and being sloppy. Yeah. And she's just a master at being loose, but in being in, in complete control all at the same time. Yeah. And just the way that she slides up and slides down with the notes and, uh, well, and, and that song and other songs is just fantastic. Yeah. And that's really one of, one of the, what I think is one of the primary char characteristics of jazz is like in the complexity of the harmonics and even certain styles, the rhythm, there's a freeness, but there's still that structure and you're operating within the structure. And I think that we've, we've talked about that before with other, other, uh, musicians and, one thing about her is did you ever feel at any point she was rushed or uncomfortable or doing anything she didn't want to do at that extent no. like, like totally in control and um like leaving that space and like the thing that i kept thinking of is like and you know this better than i do but like when you're creating like visual art you're like you know what? I'm just going to leave space right here. I'm going to let there not be anything in this, whatever I'm creating. Yes. And allowing that to happen and having that control really makes you pay attention. And I found myself when I was, you know, listening to this over, you know, a couple of weeks as we were getting ready is, you know, I'm, I'm sort of of two minds because one, a lot of the songs have like a similar style and feel to them. Yes. The orchestration changes depending on the song and that's all fine and well and good. But there were times where I'm like getting lost in it in a good way because there's not like a jarring contrast between the tracks. Mm -hmm. Right. And they, and I think, you know, that's intentional. And there, there's, there were definitely elements of this entire album that reminded me of like classic and classical music. It's, you know, uh, in, in French is chanson and German is leader, but in, in Italian classical music, there's art song. And it's like really specific in depicting an image or an emotion and everything sort of plays so well together and you're just leaving space for that. Um, and I think that that's pretty evident throughout the whole album. 
Right. Right. And, and, and also keeping in mind that, you know, this is being recorded in the fifties. Mm -hmm. So we're still a few years away from multi-track recording. Yes. Um, some of the other kind of related musicians that we talked about had, um, uh, background singers in mm -hmm. some of the tracks and much fuller orchestrations for sure. Right. Right. And, um, so, you know, there's, there's a variety of reasons why this could be the way that it is. I like to believe that it was, you know, completely intentional and mm -hmm. that it wasn't because of like budget restraints or whatever, sure. but whatever the reason, um, you're just left with the, you know, the, the stark like ex expression of her mm -hmm. voice. Um, cause there's no, there's no vocal harmonies, none of that. Um, it's just her in, interpreting the song and telling whatever story that song is trying to tell. Um, so yeah. So it's great. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is. It it's is. hard to, it's hard to like finish your thought on something like that. I'm just like, so yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I concur. So I alluded to it, to it earlier when we were sort of giving our initial impressions, but I, I think we should take a couple of minutes now and talk about, um, the other, uh, probably most recognized song off of this album, which is strange fruit, um, which was written and composed by, uh, Abel Mirapol and, uh, Billie Holiday originally recorded in 1939 and then it was reprised on this album. And um, it's it's a stunning track for a lot of reasons, um, but mainly this this it was originally a poem and it was written, you know, in in protestation of you know some of the lynching that was happening in the American South during that time frame, and uh, you know it's just one of those things where when you think about. <laughs> the lyrics and the people who are creating it. It's just incredibly powerful. And, um, you know, I, I don't really know the best way to talk about it. Frankly, it's kind of from a place in time that I'm not so familiar with, but, um, it's definitely something that stuck with me after listening to this, even just the first time, um, before I even did a lot of the research to learn what it was all about. Um, what were your sort of impressions about it? So of everything Billie Holiday, this is probably oddly the thing that I was most familiar with going into this. Mm -hmm. um, I'd, I'd heard it before and just lyrically, you know, the, the imagery, the, the poetry of this is just so vivid and so disturbing. And there's, there's a lot of layers kind of to the sim, to the symbolism mm -hmm. of the images that are, that are described. Um, but it's also very easy to understand at the same time, which is a difficult task. Yeah. And just the music that, goes along with it 
you know, plus the, you know, the, the edge and like the tension that's created with Billie Holiday singing it. I mean, it just, it just all fits together so well. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. a masterpiece. Yeah. Um, in the way that she's working with the band and everything and, um, it's what's interesting about it too is that you know there's no there's no chorus or anything really no no and it just and it just moves along with with the poem and it's just so smart the way that Mirapol put it together because He's like, okay, well, I feel like I want to set this to music. And he didn't like rearrange his poem mm-hmm. to make it be more song-like. No, but what he did do, and I don't know if he had others who were collaborating with him on this, but what he did do is have the instrumentation fill in those voids mm-hmm. in a very, I think, um, compelling way because you get the horns and stuff incorporated into it. And um, I think that's completely additive. And like, I don't know, when you think about uh, vocal music and you think about, you know, I, I definitely thought about this a lot in my classical training. It's like, you know, people be like, oh, opera music, it's like, or music theater, it's kind of so, so dramatic. And it's like, yeah, because, there are certain things in life that like you cannot express purely in words. You need other things to express like mm-hmm. those feelings and those emotions. And I feel like this is a perfect example where that just becomes, uh, you know, infinitely more powerful when it's set to music. Right. And you, you talked about how much, um, how much space there mm-hmm. is in in all of these songs. And I think this feels the most spacious. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have the lyrics in front of me. So when I when I looked up the lyrics, I, I just looked at the words on the page and I'm like, wait, that's it? Because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. only like, you know, how many- How many stanzas is it? Like four? Th- well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's divided into, it's divided into four stanzas, I guess you could mm-hmm. say. But it's like, you know, say four, eight. So there's 14 lines. Yeah. And the way that the music is composed, there are so many spots where where it just stops and it gives you a moment to contemplate Mm -hmm. what Billy has just told you. Yeah. And you just have those like images like lingering and and it just it just illustrates like the brutality and the and the cruelty of the situation mm-hmm. so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you'll indulge me, like this is my favorite. Well, it's hard. To, it's hard to say favorite when you're talking about something that mm-hmm. is so just like heartbreaking and mm-hmm. such a you know stain on the history of this country mm-hmm. um but one of the most say effective ways that it's that it's portrayed in this song 
because as we head toward the end, she sings, here is a fruit for the crows to pluck. And then you hear bum from mm -hmm. the piano. Mm -hmm. It continues for the rain to gather, for the wind to suck. Boom, it's like stops again. Yeah. And it's like, it's just such an abrupt stop. Like it feels to me like that's the end of a life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's when, you know, yeah. that's when the execution is final, you know? Yeah. Um, that's just, that's what I was thinking of when I, when I heard those words and, and listened to that, mm -hmm. to that music. So, so the words are telling you something and the, and the, and the music is, uh, is illustrating that yeah, for you as well. It's augmenting the entire yes. thing. And I don't know, maybe it would have been just as, maybe it would have been powerful on its own as a poem. And if you had the right person reciting it, it could be, um, you know, something that will stick with you. And obviously we're a bit biased because we have a podcast about music, but <laughs> I feel like it is just elevated to another level. Mm -hmm. with the performers, with the choices, with the execution of it all. Um, and having those additional uh, musical elements to it, it just is, it just brings it to a whole different, different, uh, different way of communicating um, what was just an incredibly terrible thing. You know, it's in the Library of Congress for a reason, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and I feel like we could do an entire podcast just on this song. I'm sure. Because yeah. now I'm like looking at my notes and thinking about other things. It's like there's a there's a place where she also talks about the black bodies mm. swinging in the breeze. And then the way she sings the word breeze is just. It's heartbreaking. It's so haunting. Yeah. So haunting. It's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. It's a genius. It's a genius piece of art on all levels. Mm -hmm. um, if you've never heard it, you're you have to listen to it. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I concur. <laughs> I, I mean, there there must be people out there who haven't heard it. But even my 15 year old son has heard it because mm -hmm. I was playing it in the car, and he's like, "Oh, we we uh, listened to this song in English class last year." I'm like, "Oh." Good. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, when, when was that song made? I was like, in the fifties. And he was like, in the fifties. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> like, like, there's some know. ugly stuff in our country's kiss in our country's history. And it's not that old. <laughs> we know people that were alive in the fifties. Yeah. It's, um, it's not that long ago. Yeah. So. Any, I mean, I feel like we've touched on a lot of it. You know, I don't know if there's any, because I think you mentioned, are there any other like little touches? Because you mentioned earlier how that was the thing that really stuck out to you is how there was like these nice little surprises and things would go in unexpected ways. Um, yeah. Any other specific ones that you want to mention? Uh, there's, there's one very like standard jazz song that mm -hmm. she sings on this, which is Good Morning Heartache. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, all right, you know, 
I've heard this song a million times by a million different recording artists. It's always like kind of schmaltzy. Yeah. From, yeah. Yeah. And when Billie Holiday sings it, it's not schmaltzy at all because she doesn't she doesn't go that route. Yeah. She goes she goes a completely different way where she where it's just very conversational. It's like mm-hmm. good morning, heartache. What's new? Yeah. You know. <laughs> Um, so that was a nice surprise. And I mean, I think there's also like too many musical surprises for me to even start listing them. Just like where she goes with her voice and stuff. I mean, for me, like just the thing that got me was like, it's only 38 minutes and there's a lot packed into that. Mm -hmm. And there's 12 tracks and that's okay. Yeah. And they all, I think. I don't think there's like any excess on this on this album. It's it's pretty tight, um, but it does somehow go in a lot of different places. And um, just the construction, and maybe it's because it was later in her career, and it was kind of thought of, I think, almost as like a retrospective, and like bringing like a lot of different things that she. Um, like a lot of different elements from other things she had created early in her career together that it it's um it's put together so well um which is not something i was totally expecting i don't know i don't know what i was expecting when i was <laughs> this but yeah um but yeah i mean i i don't know if i need to give any final th- any more final thoughts because i feel like we've touched on a lot of it but man well here's a challenging question for you okay do you have any criticisms Dare we love um, any criticism against No, them. because like originally I was like, well, this it's a little bit if you're not paying attention, which I would not encourage people to listen to it this way. If you're not paying attention, it's like, oh, she just kind of sounds the same in every uh in a lot of the same in a lot of the tracks, there's not like a whole lot of like contrasting variety. Mm-hmm. But when you take a step back and then you're 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 really listening to it and you're like yeah actually i don't want i just want more of the same i don't want any <laughs> yeah <laughs> just keep doing that <laughs> yeah just keep doing that like i don't want some like big band like mm-hmm. stuff inserted in here because one i don't think it would serve her voice very well and two it's just like it's kind of like a non sequitur thrown into like this yeah. opus that was created with a very clear i think intention yeah i guess like the only very small thing i could say about it um goes back to to strange fruit because that song just like levels you emotionally and i found that when i was listening to the whole thing front to back yeah like i'd listen to strange fruit and then like the next two songs would go by and i'd be like wait what was what were those songs? Because I wasn't paying attention because I was still yeah, thinking yeah, about yeah, yeah. Okay. Strange yep. Fruit, yep. Um, which a song, a song like that. I don't know where I don't know where you put it to make it not. I don't know, not overshadow everything, um, but maybe if you feel like listening to some Billie Holiday stuff on a Sunday morning with your coffee. You, you gotta skip that one, but uh, mm. um, but 
other than that, I mean, there, there really isn't too much or any thing that you could critique about it. I don't think, I don't know. Challenge, challenge us the, on Instagram come <laughs> when we, yeah, come at me, bro. Um, when we, uh, you know, go, go to the Instagram post about this album. And, uh, if you can think of anything, um, any constructive criticism you have for Billy holiday, <laughs> good luck, but feel free to, uh, to hit us up in the comments. I, I guess my one final thought, and I don't mean this in like in a glib way. I do mean this like in a sincere way, you know, that like parlor game and they're like, if you could have anybody come to a dinner party, who would you have? She mm. would definitely be on my list. And I think I would be in a very interesting vibe. And I think, I, I, I don't know, we could probably do some research about it, but like, I feel like she had like just this magnetic quality to her that would mm. be really, it would have been really interesting to see what she was like. Yeah, that's, um, that is an excellent choice. And that's uh, someone who I don't know that I've heard uh mentioned in a in a dinner party i don't know people usually usually mention like heads of state and stuff mm. um but yeah that's that's a good one that's a good well one. you could have the heads of state there and i bet you and i don't know but i would i would bet you she would have no telling she would have no problem telling those people exactly the fuck off <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's, you're probably right about that you're probably right about that so um I think we've done it, Joe. I think so. Um, and you know, it's uh, it's kind of a wacky time of year. We've got a lot mm -hmm. of family stuff going on. Um, lots of uh, responsibilities and and uh, different things that we're doing. So we don't know quite what we're doing next. Um, we will have another episode out probably sometime after Thanksgiving, uh, and. You know, other than that, I would suggest uh, if you are not a follower of our Instagram page, please go do that so you can see, uh, you know, what, what our next episodes are going to be about. And, um, you know, I'm trying to step up our Instagram reel game. Oh, and, apparently the algorithm doesn't like it if you don't do reels, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so you'll at the very least be entertained by that in between episodes. Um, so thank you very much for joining us once again, and we'll see you next time. Brothers in Song is written and produced by Joseph Collin and Daniel Collin, and edited by Daniel Collin. To keep up with the latest news, follow us on Instagram at Brothers in Song. Until next time, listen to some new music. You just may surprise yourself.